You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Welcome, friends. This is episode number 106 of Life Repurposed. This week, I have a special guest. Her name is Deb DeArmond. We're going to be chatting about a book that she has just put out, and I have written two chapters of that book. Deb is an award-winning author and a speaker and a writing coach. And I will be talking with her in this episode a little bit about some of her books, but she has many more because she writes in the area of communication and relationships and conflict resolution. So what I'm going to do is include extras in the show notes so that you can get links to some of her other resources, the ones that we're not going to talk about in this episode. Now, we are going to be focusing on the latest book release, and that is called We May Be Done, But We're Not Finished. Now, if you are not over 50, no worries, because in this conversation, we're going to be focusing on what to do when we're in a season of life where we might not be able to accomplish all the things that we wish we could, and just some of the ideas for what we can do while we're in the waiting, and then also speaking to those who are after 50 and wondering, can I still do the things I've always wanted to do? So we'll be talking about that. You can get to know Deb on her website. I will have links in the show notes. I'll talk about that at the end of the show. But I don't want to waste any more time because I want to jump right into that interview with Deb so that you can get to know her and hear her heart for you as somebody who has a goal and a dream and wants to just get going with that. So here's Deb. Welcome, Deb. Thank you so much for sitting down to chat with me today. I've been looking forward to it, Michelle. Thanks. So we're going to be talking about a book that just recently released that I'm in, but we won't get to that just yet. I want to rewind because the book that you've just released is for people who are over 50, but I want to go back to your 20s. And I want to know, what did you want to do with your life when you were first coming out of high school or college? Well, I met my husband at 17. And he went away to college after our senior year. I remained in our hometown. And I'm not sure that we had a whole lot of aspirations, to be honest, (laughs) other than that. My parents owned a family business, and they were getting up in years. I knew I'd spend the first few years um, helping them kind of wind up that that detail, and I did. I went to college at the same time, but married at 19, and that was the end of my college experience because we both needed to work. As I look back, I really think God ordered my steps in so many ways. I ended up working in the banking industry and eventually they took me into the training function, which I fell in love with. Every job I had for the next 25 years after that was was what I was doing. And I wrote a lot of instructional materials, but it wasn't until much, much later that I had any real clarity or plan in place. I, I feel like God just kind of guided me through Did you ever have a moment in there where you thought, if I could do, did you have a dream? I think my dream, to be honest, was to really have strong marriage and and kids and, and to have a profession that really fulfilled me. And because I stumbled into that training spot early, that did become my dream. I love to be where the light bulbs go on for people, Michelle. And so training, teaching coaching, all of those kinds of things 
I did in my professional business life for years. That did become my dream. Did I, do I think it came, it came from God? Well, it must have, because I never would have come up with it on my own. It sounds sort of like an arranged marriage. It does. You fall in love with it. <laughs> it does. <laughs> an arranged job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you were in the business world. I was. And so were you working full time? I did. Uh, from, from the time my first one was born, I went from five days a week to two days a week. We had two more babies. We had, we had three sons in five years. And at that point, it seemed silly for me to continue to try and work at all because mm -hmm. it was kind of ridiculous. But when my husband decided he wanted to be self-employed, I needed to go back to work. And I think that my youngest was about three when that happened. And I did work full time for the next 25 years in a variety of companies. I worked in, I, I worked for Weight Watchers for about 12 years after I lost weight with the babies and became a training uh, individual professional there and then went into the telecommunications industry and then out on my own with my own business. And maybe that was part of my dream. I did that for about 11 years. I also married my high school sweetheart. And I'm also a boy mom. I have two boys. <laughs> Well, I not only have three sons, I have seven grandsons. So I have lived in the testosterone oh, that's zone all boys. most of my life. Ah, there's one pink one. I got one pink one. She's the last one, but she showed up. God, you know, God's never late, but he, he passes up a lot of chances to show up early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am rubbing it into my boys because my first grandchild is a granddaughter. I know I'm having, there's two on the way and I know that one of them is another girl. Yeah. So the score has way tipped in yes. my favor now. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a different world to be in. So I know, and my listeners don't know, that you ended up becoming a writer. And so I'm wondering, how did you leap from training to writing? Well, I had three people that I know were heaven sent who dogged me for years about writing. The first one was my husband. I wrote instructional materials and really enjoyed it. And he said, Deb, I think we'll really make bank when you write books. Ha ha ha, Michelle. Right. Um, and I'm trying not to laugh too hard about uh, that. Right. And I just dismissed it because it, it had not ever been on my radar. But I devoured books. I love books. And he thought I should be writing. My brother was a journalist and he was 16 years my senior. There's just the two of us. And he he said to me over the course of the last couple of years, maybe of his life, you should be writing, Deb, you should be writing. Now, he and I were letter writers, not emailers. And I said to him one day, Jack, what would I write? And he said, I don't know. But if you write like you talk, I think people would read you. And then there was Eve. And Eve was my equivalent of the thorn in the flesh because she was rabid about the fact that I was supposed to be writing. And after several years, and she never just said, why don't you? She started saying to me, so tell me about the book. How's the book coming along? What's the book about? And I finally, out of exasperated, frustrated lack of patience, said, Eve, it is not what I do. And she said, well, it may not be what you've done, but it doesn't mean it's not what God mm. wants you to do. And I dare you to ask him. Mm. And that just knocked me back a step or two. I yeah. dare you to ask God about it. And I did. And he immediately identified a topic and a title 
And it was that first book on the relationship between mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law. Because it's often really bad. And people kept asking me, how do you guys do this? Your three daughters-in-law love you. You love them. And so I knew almost from the moment I heard God say go, what that topic was going to be. But Michelle, I thought it was going to be one and done. (laughs) Not so much. (laughs) So what personal hurdles did you have to get over like within yourself? What internal battles did you have before you identified as a writer? Do you know, I, I was really blessed because I believe education can, can help you catch up when you feel like you're starting behind the eight ball. I was in my fifties when, when this came to me from the Lord and I knew that it's a long and arduous process. It was so much to learn. And I began really pursuing support. I went, I attended some conferences. I engaged a writing coach that I met at one of those conferences who without her knowledge and her guidance, I never would have been published the first time around. I'm certain of that. I was traveling constantly still for my job. I left on Mondays, came back on Fridays, and I did that two days every month. So much of the book had to be written in a less than ideal environment. Now, it it was quiet, Michelle, but it wasn't a a comfortable environment. Do I sit on the bed and do it? Do I try and use that ridiculously awful chair at that desk? No, but God just kept encouraging me. He just kept pushing me. So I'd say that I was provided with an opportunity uninterrupted two weeks out of every month for a year while I wrote that book. Mm. And I leaned heavily on other people who had gone before me. I did not want to be one of those writers, Michelle, ever that you hear say, well, God gave this to me and I'm going to write it just like he gave it to me. And I'm thinking, yeah, God has better grammar than that. You know, Um, (laughs) that's not always from God's lips to our ears. And I don't know about for you, but he wakes me up a lot in the morning. And sometimes it's just a word or two that lights something in my heart and in my head that I've been contemplating or reading about. And I'm off and running. But early on, you think, why am I bothering to do this? The industry was so closed at that time. There weren't all the opportunities to publish that there are today. So I'm grateful, really, really grateful. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time in your life where you felt like God was far away? (laughs) Um, Too many to count, probably. (laughs) I'm not. We had a miscarriage uh, at five months and it was our third pregnancy. And I just felt lost for a while. It never dawned on me that this could be an outcome for me. Why? I don't know. I'd known a lot of friends and family members, but I was absolutely stunned. And it was hard to get motivated to do much of anything for a while. My mom was injured in a terrible car accident 10 years before she died. Her sister didn't live. And mom had a head injury, a brain injury. She was just the kindest Jesus lover you'd ever want to know in your life. And you know, the Lord, he let me kind of deal with that for a while, but ultimately I I understood. And when people asked me, so why did, why did that happen? Why did God let that happen? I said, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that God did let that happen, but I do know why it happened. And the answer is simple. Physics works every time. 
You can't put two cars in one place and not have some damage done. Well, he could have stopped it. Well, he didn't. Aren't you curious as to know why? And here's my answer for those times. Either I'll know the minute I step into heaven, or it'll be of such little importance to me when I see him face to face. I won't care. So those are probably the two toughest times in my life. It was just like, where are you? Where are you, God? He was always there. I have a feeling there's a listener right now who can relate to that. And there might be somebody listening who also has a dream and is thinking like God's nudging. There there could be a next thing. And they're in the middle of where you were at that point where you're raising kids and you're going to work and you're traveling and all that. So what word do you have for that person who's listening who says, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to take that next step towards this dream God has put on my heart? Well, I've always joked, Michelle, that when God was distributing attributes as as we came into our mother's womb, when they announced patience, I thought it had something to do with a hospital. And I said, no, thank you. But God helped me learn patience big time in this process. And the truth is that patience does have its perfect work and it comes at the optimum time. I mean, if I look at the titles of the books and the topics, I wasn't qualified to write them in my 30s or my 40s, but I was living the experiences that I ended up sharing in some respects with women in their 30s and 40s because I had been where they are. I think that's Mm -hmm. still true no matter what age we are. And that God's timing is always going to put a superior light on the work. And that if you want to get started, like I did with working in that hotel or going to the library, it's just my husband and I, but he's my biggest distraction. And that's been true all of our marriage, (laughs) right? Okay. So there are times when you simply have to, to negotiate in your younger years. I need time this afternoon. And it might just be to go for a a long, uninterrupted walk for time with the Lord, but it might be to the library to write some of the stuff down that you believe God's putting in your heart. And you're not really sure yet what you're supposed to do with it, or maybe you are, but partnership in our lives is important. And whether it's a sister who can watch your kids or pick them up at school and take them home for a couple hours or a neighbor, don't be afraid to ask. We don't, We don't want to impose on people. And often they're happy to serve. Yeah. This show is about life repurposed. And so what I want to do is talk a little bit. You've already been telling me how God has repurposed your life. So (laughs) I want to talk about that second half because you started writing after the age of 50. Probably didn't know at 35 or 40 that's where you would end up and where you'd be now. So along the way... How has God repurposed you in other ways in addition to the writing journey? Well, it's it's interesting because he has, I always say to people, he's the best networker on, uh, that exists because he literally knows everyone on the planet. Um, and he's given me opportunities in places I never would have pursued on my own. For example, I've spoken at conferences from two very different perspectives. The first book about in-laws I spoke at a women's conference and I had a group of women who approached me and said, 
we'd like to maybe set up some sort of a an opportunity for a Bible study or something. Could you help us? And so I put some pieces together. Hadn't expected that. Um, and at the other end of, of that of that spectrum, he's introduced me to people that I never would have known, never in a million years, that have encouraged me or that I've been allowed to encourage and support as a writing coach, as a life coach. I was a business coach for years. The opportunity not to give advice, but to help people find their own solutions is awesome because they're always going to believe themselves more than they believe what they're told they should do because people don't like to be should on. And it's important that listening is a critical skill that we develop as somebody who was a speaker and a teacher for a lot of years and still pretty much a good talker. I've had to really learn how to listen at a different level because of the type of support I know God wants me to, to provide. Those are big chunks in my life these days. Someone said to me recently, a business coaching client, I just figured out what I pay you to do. I said, really? Is that going to be a problem for me? He said, I don't think so. I said, what is it I do? He said, you don't hand out much advice, but man, do you ask tough questions? Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, I've been found out. But I think those are among, I think those are among the things that have come along that just never I don't think I ever would have pursued them had it not been for the writing because people would approach me. Other people's stories are so meaningful. So I want to talk about how you've put this book together called We May Be Done, But We're Not Finished and how those stories are intended to help other women basically discover that your life is not done when you turn 50. So tell me more about that project and some of the stories and topics that are in that book. Well, it's interesting that we may be done, but we're not finished was the tagline for my very first website called my purpose now. And Michelle, that grew out of a couple of aggravating experiences, one my own and one my sister's in law that both had to do with our age when my sister-in-law moved to California, starting kind of over again, lots of great experience in her field, but she kept running into no thank yous. And finally, thank you, God, somebody was willing to tell her the truth. This gentleman sat across the, the desk from her and said, well, I can't find a good reason not to hire you. You've got great experience, clearly the right background. But he said, you're what, 57, 58? How many years do you have left actually? in the workforce. I can hire two college kids for what I'd have to just pay you. And they're probably going to have a longer lifespan. Now, I think a lot of people have probably interviewed and suspected that was at the heart of things. But here was somebody who was willing to boldly say it today, you'd probably <laughs> be in court, but that's a different issue. Mm -hmm. And I also had a, a, an opportunity to lead a group of young men in an activity in their company, where we were talking about values. And their task was to identify five out of nine people in this fictionary tale. They had been uh, on a chartered boat that had failed on a vacation. They made their way to a tiny island. They still had some radio contact. They knew there was a helicopter on the way, but it could take only five of the nine. They had to decide from very brief examples who they were going to be. One of them was a 55-year-old housewife with no high school education. Mm -hmm. She's going to die every single time, Michelle. 
because she was valued so low. What can she actually bring to life? I mean, she's done her job. Her kids are raised. What she got left to do except die. And my son heard us talking about these two incidents. He was in the living room. We were in my office. And he walked in and said, what are you two middle-aged women going to do with all this angst? And I said, what do you mean do with it? <laughs> and he said, I think, it's, I think it's a website. You know, the baby boomer generation, of which I'm a part, is among the largest. Well, it's the largest the nation's ever known. And we're not done. But we were being dismissed. We were being marginalized. We were being eliminated and devalued. And the more I heard other women's stories, the more compelling it seemed. Because there's so much left. I'm really, I look back at my 50s and think, I finally know some stuff. (laughs) And that's about the time a lot of women figure, well, you know, I don't even know what that man's name across the table is for me anymore because I haven't called him anything except dad for years. <laughs> and so that's really where the idea from the book came. And it's, it's personal experiences like that that I kept hearing over and over that just broke my heart. Because in some ways, I feel like the second act for me has been the very best of my life. I loved raising my children. It was fun. But I married young. We started young. This was my opportunity to do something different. Yeah. So I'm a Generation X, I think. Is is that what came after Baby Boomer? I think so. Yes, Gen X. (laughs) So we are, yeah, so I'm 52. So we're just moving into this second phase of life. I've been an empty nester for about four years because I married young as well. And kids were gone from home when I was 48. But I'm thinking about that and the narrative that we learned growing up. And I'm thinking about my grandma who would have been 100 yesterday. And at 50, she was coming home from her job at the nursing home and putting on a house coat and watching soap operas. And like her life, that was it. It was like there were no thing, you know, thinking about the next phase or about the future. That was at 50, like if you didn't accomplish what you were going to accomplish, it was done. And so for the person listening out there, whether you're 35 or 45 or 55 or 65, it isn't done. Like whatever happened 40 years ago, this is not our life anymore. I just saw a news story of a lady who was just retiring from her nursing career at 94, I think it was. Wow. (laughs) It's like she had been a registered (laughs) nurse all that time. So this book is for people who... Are, are doing something different in that second phase of life. So I wrote a chapter about um, my relationship with my husband. And then I also talked about starting a podcast at age 50. So what are some of the other things that people have written about in the book? You name it. Um, people have really repurposed their lives. Uh, a woman who lost her husband rather young while she was still raising two sons and how the Lord just showed up for her. And she was victorious in building a new life. Her boys, I think, are both now grown and married, and she's doing some things she had never anticipated doing. Uh, my sister-in-law is a good a good example. After a 37, after a 30-year abusive marriage, she said, I'm done. I'm I'm done. And she has she left the state. She went through great counseling. She, her her new book is just out. And it's not about It's not about the abuse. It's about the healing. And Mm -hmm. she was a person who never aspired to write, just like me. But God had a message that was important for her. And 
And it took her longer than I thought it should to write the book. And I said to her, I want you to think of all of the women out there, Karen, who are waiting on your message. And it was just released um, this month from Creeple. Uh, watching her just take hold of life big time has been so much fun. People have gone back to school. They've changed. They moved from having a job that helps support their family into a career that they always wanted. Um, one of our most senior, most advanced, um, found herself divorced late in life and was very surprised, but she had always wanted to be in ministry. So she went to school and she now pastors a church um, and speaks and teaches. So from soup to nuts, it's in there. People, one of our, our folks, when she thought she was going to get to retire in a couple of years from the job she had held for 23 years and they had a change of ownership and everyone was let go. She ended up doing all kinds of incredible things, writing and podcasting. It's just the sky is the limit for us because God's, God's plan for us never has an expiration date. Life has seasons too. So sometimes when we think the season is never going to end, we're never going to get to that thing we're hoping for. I want to give a word of hope to the person who's in one of those seasons because it will pass. There will be a point where something changes. Your kids will hopefully leave home (laughs) and there will be something new that you can do. Well, I will tell you that my belief is that God's timing is always the right timing. He may plant that seed early because he wants you to think about it, nurture it Mm -hmm. and, and help it grow. But often from inception to delivery is a long time. And so for those of you who might be concerned that this is what I'm going to be stuck with the rest of my life. I love my children. I love my marriage. My job's not even terrible, but it's not what I want to be doing. So where's God? He's preparing you. He's creating the moments and the experiences that are needed to inform what it is that you want desperately to do. You've imagined them. He's He's actually been kind enough to put them on your heart. No surprises. And so the scripture that wait on the Lord is a good one. Because when we try and force that timing, we're rarely successful and heartache is awful because we were so convinced. You know, commitment is the decision or the the promise to do something. Conviction is You can't talk me out of it. I don't care what you say or what barriers get thrown in my path. I know this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm willing to pursue it until it comes to fruition. Mm. Conviction is an entirely different ballgame. If you have conviction about what it is, he's going to make it happen. Be patient. Talk less. Listen more. Sometimes there's so much he has to teach us. Um, When I was at our 25th anniversary, I had started writing a book for couples. And I thought I was going to finish it fairly quickly, publish it. And then things just kept coming up, getting in the way. And I'm a go-getter, so it wasn't that I was really procrastinating. It just, I don't know, I set it aside. It didn't feel right. And then the year that we had our 30th anniversary was when I picked it up again. And I realized in those five years, God had done so much in our relationship 
There were chapters I could include. There were things I would have had to try to just avoid before. And we had worked on communicating about those. And of course, no marriage is perfect. We're still a work in progress after 31 years. But yeah, it was one of those things where I realized that I could have pushed ahead of where God wanted me to be, but that he needed to like steep the tea a little bit longer before it was ready. (laughs) That's a great analogy. It's true that five years for you was really important. I mean, I've read that book, Michelle. I know how fabulous it is and it's transparent. And I think that's the other thing that comes with maybe a few more years is that you're willing to turn your pockets inside out and not try to Mm. project the, I can write about the perfect marriage because we have one. And as you said, no one has one. (laughs) Right. But I think sometimes wisdom, you know, my mom used to say, wisdom comes with age and sometimes age comes alone. And that's true. Just because we're getting older doesn't mean we're getting wiser. And so those years that you all really began to invest and change the way you did something, now you had not just issues to talk about, but potential solutions to offer. Yeah. And that's the difference in, are we just sort of going blah, 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 blah about it? Or are we actually, do we have foundational principles from the word that we can share with people as well as practical hints and tips? That's what makes the difference. That's a perfect segue into talking about resources. I always wrap up with some resources. So, of course, we want people to buy the book, and I'm going to include a link to We May Be Done, But We're Not Finished in the show notes. That'll be at michellerayburn.com slash 106, and that will send you to Amazon where you can get the book. Or it will be available at other retailers as well, right, Deb? Yep. Okay, so you can get it at your favorite retailer. So that will be there. But then also, Deb, you said you had a planner that can help people And I want you to tell us a little bit about that resource and where they can find it. Well, you know, I think a lot of planners are focused on business or family. And I really wanted to create a planner that would help people focus on dreams, goals, and visions. What are the things that God has placed in your heart? How do you move towards those? They're not as concrete as, well, we're going to pay an extra $200 on the car and get it paid off a year early. It's just not black and white. And Mm -hmm. so that planner is really designed to help, I don't know, gather some of those thoughts and identify. And if you ask the Lord, he'll help you create the vision. And my guess is, as he did for me, he'll give you some clues and some hints and some directions about where you should be investing time, talent, and treasury. Just because you can't do all of it now doesn't mean you can't do part of it. I mean, Michelle... Right. Think about aspiring writers. Did they, did you and I have online training to attend? No, we didn't. It had to be a conference where you had to leave your kids and uh, with somebody else. Um, it's a very different world. And so it's about exploring the possibilities of the possibilities God's called you to. Yeah, so that's perfect for any phase of life. Absolutely. So where can we get that? Um, I, I will send you a link. Uh, so that you can make it available uh, to your listeners. And I really encourage them if they have the chance to do so, to find a a couple of hours as they start the process in isolation. Go to the library, lock yourself in the bathroom, young moms, if you have to. But you need some time where you can really not just 
record your thoughts, but hear the Lord's thoughts at the same time. Yeah, perfect. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. So listener, you can get that. Deb, I'd like to know what you want to say as we close, just saying directly to the listener, along the lines of where you that I love the subtitle of the book. You have to tell me what it's making the rest of your life the best of your life. Yes. So what word do you have as we close? I think every stage of life has its own challenges and it has its own rewards and its own tadas. The things that you hadn't anticipated, the value that comes with wisdom to move through a situation or bring peace to a situation or a solution that might not have ever occurred to you. I love it when my sons say, mom, I have a problem. Now they're in their early forties and and late thirties. And they've they've decided that maybe we know of a thing or two. And so look forward to the opportunities that God has. Don't dismiss them out of hand with, oh gosh, I, I think I'm too old to learn that. You're not. You're not. And especially if it's something he's assigned you, because what God what God orders, Michelle, he pays for. He'll send you what you need. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with me and with my listeners today, Deb. It's been a great pleasure, Michelle. Thank you. You can connect with Deb online at debdiarman.com, and I will include a link to that in the show notes. Or you can find her on your favorite social media platform and connect with her there. Like I said, I'll also have a link to the resource that she mentioned so you can get that planner, all kinds of wonderful things that we talked about today. And I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I did. Please do leave a review of the book on Amazon after you finish reading because it really helps for other people to know more about how it resonated with readers. It helps them make purchasing decisions. So we love it when people review books that we're part of. Listener, if you are somebody who is not yet 50 and you're thinking, this book is not for me, I encourage you to get it as a gift for your mom. And here's why. Your mom might have a dream that she put on hold, maybe even while she was raising you, maybe she stayed home with the kids, I don't know your story. But if she did, she might have something she's always wanted to do. And maybe the stories that are in this book would inspire her to do something that would bring joy to her in her second half of life. So it's a thoughtful gift. It is just a really encouraging and uplifting way to gift somebody with that you can do it spirit coming from other people who know what it's like. So I'm encouraging you to think about your mom with that. I invite you to join our Facebook community called Life Repurposed. On there, we talk about the topics from every week. And so this week we've been discussing what it means to think about not being finished and having something more. So I would love to have your input and have you be somebody who contributes to the conversation there. So go ahead and search on Facebook for the Life Repurposed community and click a few membership questions and you're in. So I'd love to see you there. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I will see you again next week. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. 
I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. 